0: All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. Um, so you know what's cool? First of all, welcome. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Dean Sweetman, my incredible host. So uh, somewhere, I, it's, been, it's been a crazy month. So I hadn't really normally every like couple of weeks, I'll look into the uh, analytics of the podcasts, each individual mm-hmm. one. You know, we all have right. a bunch and I normally look top line. This podcast has doubled in reach in like the last 6 or 8 weeks. So I don't of know course. why or how or where it where someone found it, but welcome <laughs> to all the new um yeah, all the new listeners. It's good to have you uh good to have you here.
1: I mean, it's a great podcast
0: mm-hmm. and we
1: talk about faith and business. Yeah. We riff on the issues of the day. Yeah. And I pontificate with <laughs> my 58 years of wisdom. <laughs> And mistakes and, and <laughs> failure and success. And it's, that's a good combo. And you're yeah. just, you, you come up with the, you're, you're fresh, your you're fingers on the pulse you know of what's going on in business and tech I, and all this yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, we just, we chop it up. It's fun. So if yeah. you are new, welcome. Um, I think there's like almost 70 episodes at this point. So go back through. Amazing. They're all up on the feed, all up on YouTube. Um, and I think you'd learn a lot. So, I was well talking been. to a buddy of mine
1: in Australia last week, and he he, he quotes the, the podcast, something <laughs> that we said. And I'm like, dude, do you listen? He goes, dude, I listen every week. <laughs> I'm like, that's great,
0: man. You know what's so funny? So like I'm – disclaimer, I'm not comparing Kings and Priests to the All In podcast as I tell this story. I don't want that to be we're, but – We're just a notch under. Yeah, just a notch on. under. Uh, I have just maybe one zero – Uh, less than those guys you know in my network but so you know my little brother works at a comms firm that basically represents feces and startups generally in like series b to d to ipo kind of world right and he's like it's hilarious he's like it is hilarious how i will listen to the podcast on a friday or saturday and then wednesday or thursday i'll be in a meeting with a client ceo of a big company prepping them for some interview with some big tech publication and he goes and it is without fail if they are a dude above the age of 25 or 30 they are regurgitating ideas from the element <laughs> podcast yes, exactly. and i have to tell them hey we need to reword this and make it at least <laughs> right. sound like something that you came up on your own came, came up with fresh and that. different so can so i tell
1: about. you i'm going to the summit oh are you yeah.
0: Sick. that's yeah. sold out so I'm- quick too I know. I just bought a VIP and just gonna go. You got to so. at least play play in one of the poker games. Make sure you play. In, oh yeah, no, I'm going for the full games.
1: I gotta get a bunch of clothes because apparently it's like there's like themed every night. Oh, got it. And I gotta I gotta flip them, but it's only
0: ten minutes from my house in, right. in LA. Oh, that's so. right. This one's in LA. Yeah, it's in UCLA. So nice. That'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. be mean, that's coming up in a couple months, right? Well, I'm actually
1: so I have a golf trip with the mates. Up in whistling straits. Mm-hmm. And so I fly back in my neighbor's like jet back to Salt <laughs> Lake. <laughs> give the wife a quick kiss and then head to, and come head to, to LA the on Sunday that's, for Sunday night for the all-in.
0: So it's gonna dude, be good. that's gonna be awesome. We'll have to like get a full like breakdown afterwards. Oh yeah. yeah. No, the
1: episode after like
0: uh-huh. that that next we'll week is all gonna of be it. epic. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the speakers are insane. Right Ray, Ray is gonna be there. Um yeah. Like, yep. tons of crazy All the favorites um, yeah. i'll tell you someone who probably won't be there is dave portnoy although maybe <laughs> dave portnoy should be there yeah so He's today's a, up the biggest crew ever it is just that guy talk about a guy with 12 lives i mean yeah. so if you are not a if you don't know much about barstool sports so i'm actually not a big barstool sports fan in a sense of I'm like not a big big sports coverage i'm not yeah. either they have a golf um, franchise. That's fun. Cause it's yeah, like, they've Rappaport? got like a real, th- yeah. Rappaport's on it, but then it's him and like four of his kind of like friends and they do these right. videos where they try and break 90 on the golf course. And yeah. so that I, that's probably the only franchise of theirs that I keep up with. Right. But I do think what they've built is pretty brilliant. And I think Dave Portnoy for all of the things he does that are just the antics, he's a, he's a genius. I mean, um, he's just a
1: genius of personal branding.
0: Yes. Like, exactly. Let's just, like, that's
1: what he does. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He had a brand that was basically dissing Roger Goodell mm-hmm. of the NFL mm-hmm. and he was just taking mm-hmm. him down. Mm-hmm. And he built this persona of this guy and he spins it into this kind of, you know, sports network mm-hmm. that was, he sold for 500 million. And he just got it Five... back for dollar.
0: Yeah, so he and this is what, what's so funny is like, and I may be getting parts of the timeline wrong, but you know, at the beginning of COVID, everyone's day trading stocks, right? Right. And Dave, and he, was he just starts live, live streaming himself. Yeah. He <laughs> called himself Davey the Day Trader, and he would just <laughs> whatever. And he yeah. keeps bringing up pin, 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 pin gaming, pin gaming, pin gaming, and all of a sudden it comes out, oh. Pin's buying Barstool Sports, deal valued at 500000000 225 $225K yeah. up front, and then 225 k after a few years. Now, Penn is like, you would pro- you probably wouldn't have even know a Penn casino no. because they're most of them are locals, uh, never like heard local, of like low-to-mid-tier casinos. But you know what they do own is the M-Life, I believe. Uh. Let me double-check that because I think that's kind of probably like maybe the nicest one they own. Yeah, they do. So they do own M Resort in in Vegas. So, you know, like, I, I ran a couple of conferences. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're both familiar with with Penn, but they're not like you know. You have sort of Win and Encore and and Bellag- and then MGM in terms of right. quality, and then you got onto oh. Caesars, and then you kind of have all these like sort of right lower. Um, the
1: M is a great option in Vegas if you don't want to be on the Strip. Like, it is. It's local, really local good tip. Yep. If you're in Vegas and you want to stay out of the crazy, you go to the M.
0: It's yeah, it's really it's really nice. Um, but that's probably their like nicest property. Right. Most of them are very local and kind right. of dick simply for gaming. And so, you know, it kind of made sense that that they would buy um uh that they would buy barstool well, and the whole play was sports betting, right? Because sports right. betting has just Which has grown. taken off
1: like it used to be pretty like super, you know, mm-hmm. like low like it, it's in the shadows yeah and just in totally Vegas illegal at Atlantic yeah. City right and then it just all of a sudden because of, because of mobile and they mm-hmm. put it all on the internet and they just kind of democratize sports mm-hmm. betting I don't bet on sports but um I, don't I bet actually every-
0: don't either I think I don't know that I've ever bet I met I may have bet you know 10 bucks on a Cowboys game but yeah I I never have either now, I mean I know I people on- that have my my brother-in-law bets hockey fairly right. regularly just you know not like 100 bucks at a time or whatever but it, it ruins the sport. It ruins it for me.
1: Yeah. Let me give you my two cents on betting. Yep. Like walk down the strip in Vegas and you see all those buildings all paid for by losers.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: So just, just embed that in your brain and then yeah. you won't
0: bet. Yeah, the you're not going to win. The
1: thing I do is like I'll get 100 bucks and put it on red on a roulette wheel mm-hmm. and that's it. And like, and it spins, and I'm, I'm probably even, right? Yep. Um, because it's like red or black. It's like you got yep. two choices. So yeah. yeah, I don't. But I did do a little betting on the horses. I will say mm. back in yeah. the day in Australia, Aussies mm-hmm. a big kind of horse bet, you know,
0: betting, yep. but n- n- never serious. So yeah, stay away from it.
1: It's it's yeah. not a
0: place to put money. Did you see this – By the way, Uh did you see this uh, allegation that Phil Mickelson has lost a hundred million dollars over the course oh, of his yeah. career? Betting his reputation. And, and this guy is, said he bet on the Ryder Cup yeah. when he was playing. But he it. And I he think said he that's cannot, not true. Who knows? Yeah, yeah
1: he, he came out and said it's not true. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a Mickelson um, fan through and through because I love mm-hmm. what, what he's done with Live. But mm-hmm. yeah, like whatever.
0: So <laughs> anyway, so Portnoy. Yeah. So, okay. The thing about Portnoy is he's just always been a firebrand. You know, there's yep. been some hit pieces that have come out about him that paint him in a, in not an illegal light, but a not so no. flattering light. And he's just like, yeah, I never said I was a good person. I'm a degenerate. Right. And this is yeah. what I do. And he's just, you know, he plays the game. So he gets bought by Barstool. I mean, he gets bought by Penn, 551 million in 2020. And then all of a sudden last week out of nowhere, this news drops that PIN has become the official sports book for ESPN. Right. Which, and it's a like, which is like, wait a minute, this doesn't make a lot of sense because ESPN has tried to, ESPN and Barstool have had a massive beef ever since the beginning of Barstool, right? Right. And so you know that that, so all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. And like, I think it was just minutes or, or hours later, the headline comes out that Dave Portnoy buys back Barstool Sports for $1 from right. PIN National gaming yeah. and the idea is that you know when you're a casino and you're a publicly traded company that just doesn't mesh well with dave portnoy and barstool sports well there's, there's all just too rules. many levels of regulation on every end for
1: that right. to ever work
0: right and you can't
1: cage a guy like portnoy he's going to say what he wants when he wants and good for him right and there you but you can't you know there's there's all this regulation around casino you mm-hmm. know Stuff and yeah, it just wasn't a good fit. So ESPN, which is owned by Disney, mm-hmm. gets acquires pen barstool gets carved out, and Portnoy's got he got it back for a dollar, and now he yep. can go and do what he
0: wants to do. Yeah, and, and like now he owns it again. Exactly. Now here's the interesting part because everyone was like, "This is the deal of the century." How did Dave Portnoy do this? Of course, it just makes sense, right? Like the yeah. pin deal's not going good. Stocks getting crushed. Dave knows. Look like they're going to have to get rid of me. And in order to get rid of, like in order to do business with Disney, they're going to have to get rid of me. So right. he's kind of in the driver's seat. But then on Twitter, I found this this guy, uh, uh, like a corporate attorney, kind of break down the actual deal itself. And what I want to do is kind of break it down and go, okay, is this as good of a deal as we thought? So Barstool Sports gets... Uh, 8 million unique visitors a month, right? So it's big, but not like ESPN that gets 170 million, right? right. I, Barstool Sports, I don't know what they're at. I don't know. But they've got a bunch of stuff. They've got seltzers and merch, and they've got a whole bunch of stuff associated with right. them. So they're a big company. But here's some like points in the deal that maybe make it not so great. So part of the deal is that Barstool has a non-compete with Penn So before the pin acquisition, the largest advertising client of Barstool was Sportsbooks, which is basically MGM's betting platform, DraftKings, like all of that stuff was their main advertiser. So this basically says they cannot compete, from my understanding, with whatever Disney and pin agree to, like whatever their sports betting product is they come out with. From my understanding, that's the only advertising client in sports betting that Barstool can service. So if that's the case, that's maybe not the greatest deal. Um, And then Barstool can't launch its own sports book, which I don't think they were ever going to be able to do anyway because the regulations there are crazy. But then it says if Dave ever sells, Penn gets 50% of the proceeds. Right. So it's like… Is this a great deal? It's probably a great deal for Dave because Dave has probably made hundreds, a couple hundred million dollars, a hundred million right, dollars.
1: Yeah. And they're tying up 50% of his back end if he ever gets rid of it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't care. He's just going to do his thing. Exactly. And, and pocket his hundreds of millions. So, mm-hmm. like, and he's got no one. He doesn't have to answer to anyone. He can just do his thing. And, like, good for him, man. Like, I've seen <laughs> yeah, him on a bunch of interviews. He's a wild dude.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, he's just this, uh, you know, social media created personality who's opinionated about sports. Um, it started, kind of started with football, American football. And, you know, the guy's created a,
0: an amazing kind
1: amazing of brand. Company. Yeah, he
0: has. right. So, so what do you him. think this says about partnerships, right? So uh, oftentimes in business, there's stress there's problems that need to be solved. Oftentimes, those problems can feel on the surface like they're going to be quickly solved with a partnership.
1: Yeah. right. Partnerships are like...
0: And then once you're in a partnership, it's really hard to get out.
1: Well, look, you know, 50-50 partnerships almost always end in disaster, in my opinion. Um, 49-51 partnerships are better because someone is in control it goes back to that in my mind that, that old kind of thought around leadership you've got to someone's got to be in control so if you're going to go into a partnership and like you've you got to be prepared if you don't have the control to be fine with that and I actually think it's what it works better when someone is in control because I think that's how things get done and that's how leadership works and you can't share that Someone has to, when a hard moment comes, someone has to make a decision and, you know, the two people don't agree and someone has to decide and like 50-50 is just there. Eh. It's hard. So yeah. the only time 50-50 works is in a marriage. Uh, and <laughs> even that's hard.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, you know, I, I would avoid 50-50 partnerships, you know, like the best scenario is, is get a equity partner that can fund the growth of whatever it is you're doing Mm -hmm. and and give you advice but ultimately you retain control of what you're building that's the best Mm -hmm. way to do it Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's really interesting and you know you sort of have obviously you know a lot of people look at dave portnoy as this in in the same way that they look at like a kim kardashian in terms of this like creator slash entrepreneur like right you can't separate the personality in the from the brand well it's all right? I yeah um and people always use dave as sort of this like creator economy example and i always sort of say like i don't really think that he is. i don't know that he's that because he kind of he started the thing from day one like he yeah didn't, it the barstool is him but then you know the next thing we're going to talk about here is you know mr beast um so and i i've never I get Mr. Beast, but I don't get Mr. Beast. I, I'm with you, man. I've, like I, I've
1: watched, you know, I kind of heard of
0: Mr. Beast about a year ago. Mm-hmm.
1: I go, oh, what's this dude? He's like blows up YouTube. And I went on and looked at a few of his things and I still don't get it. Yeah. But Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a mastermind, right? I mean,
0: he's he's got a management company now, and he's got a a couple holding companies, and he's got a venture fund, and I mean, he does all this stuff. So, I I, you know, I don't remember how long ago it was. Let's say a year ago, he launches. um, I'm sorry, in 2020 they launched Mr. Beast Burger, right? So I saw that
1: episode where he rents some like clapped out burger joint. I think it was in the south
0: somewhere, I can't remember. Like in a mall or something?
1: No, it was just standalone, like Old Hardee's or something, and, okay. or, or, you know, Carl's Jr. And, and it looked nasty. And he's in there, and there is people, uh, and he was giving away burgers through the drive-through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was literally thousands of cars lined for miles trying to get these Mr. Beast burgers. Mm-hmm. And he was given away for free, which is obviously a great stunt. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I didn't follow it until this news came up last week about this lawsuit. But you know he launches this Mr. Beast Burger thing mm-hmm. and then he's getting like ghost kitchens involved mm-hmm. and
0: it's I mean like if a- I'm looking here the first the, the physical the first physical opening location was in a mall in New Jersey and 10,000 people showed up. There you go on day one. And then it expanded to 1,700 locations. So that's (laughs) huge. I mean, that's massive. Massive. So about a month ago, he goes on a tweet storm. And he said, uh, if I had the ability to close Mr. Beast Burger, I would have done so a long time ago, sadly. Sometimes when you're young, you sign a bad deal. He then announces he's suing Virtual Dining Concepts, which is the, basically the network of go, the ghost kitchens uh, who are partnering with him to do this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they then hit back the next week with a $100 million lawsuit, which I think was like 10 or 15 times the amount of his initial lawsuit. Uh, they, say, um, <laughs> they said, uh, this case is about a social media celebrity who believes his fame means that his word does not matter that facts do not matter and that he can re that he can breach his contractual obligations without consequence. He is mistaken. They say he has cost the company uh, enormous financial harm and that the burger restaurant's reputation has been completely destroyed. So they're in this big fight. I remember when this launched when Mr. Beast Burger launched, it was like it was the biggest win for the creator economy. The example everybody looked to, you find a creator, you partner with them, they have distribution, you launch products in and around them, and then you see this happen. So it's interesting, right, like these kind of lawsuits, but the question is, is somewhere along the line, somebody, whether it be the mouthpiece and the marketer or the actual operator, wasn't happy with the way the other person was doing um, their job. You build a business on a celebrity and the celebrity says, I don't like this anymore. business falls apart overnight so what do you think about this like we've talked a lot about creator economy because it has been such a fuzzy industry in the last few years um does this maybe show some of the cracks in what feels like these like sort of hacked together businesses just to kind of uh, jump on someone's large distribution so
1: i think it, it reveals some things about business that are that are fundamental and one of them is if you're going to sell something and put your and create a brand and put your name behind it, it needs to be a few things. If we're talking food consistent, like first of all, it has to like taste great. Mm -hmm. So it probably the first, you know, Mr. Beast burger probably tasted awesome. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Then all of a sudden you're going to scale this. So now you have to have some kind of quality control around the burger You know why McDonald's is so successful? When I was on the mission field back many years ago and I'd be in some jungle preaching the gospel and I'd come back to the major city, you know where I went to get something to eat? I went to McDonald's Mm -hmm. because I knew the Big Mac was going to taste pretty close to the one I was used to eating at home. Mm -hmm. So he's put his brand around. He's got this burger. The quality obviously starts to, you know, falter here because he's like, this is inedible. Does a whole episode, like the inedible, burger and these ghost kitchens who are making this burger and selling it through apps and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, so. Oh, right. Saline- that's the
0: whole other thing is they're selling it through an app and just delivering it to someone. So it's already cold by the time they get it. Like there's nothing about this Dude, that's setting it up for success.
1: I, I have a theory on like Uber Eats and DoorDash. Asian food and pizza mm-hmm. are the only things that work. Like I've never bought a burger. Maybe. I do get an occasional curry, but I throw Mm -hmm. that in the Asian category, South Asia. Mm -hmm. But like stuff that's easy to reheat Mm -hmm. is the stuff that is the best. Like buying a a soggy hamburger with fries, can you imagine getting that like 45 minutes after it's come off the grill?
0: Yeah. Even Shake Shack's not good at that point.
1: No one's good at that. So Mm -hmm. you you shouldn't do that. So that's a flawed strategy right there. I mean- your your own personal experience should have told you that selling a burger on the on an app that's gonna get there 30, 40 minutes after it's cooked, it's not gonna be good. Where well, you gonna microwave it or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, look, it's it's hard to scale. We all know that. Software is hard to scale, let alone food, let alone mm-hmm. <laughs> hamburgers, right? Like it's no, just no, hard. No. So it it and he was obviously he, he could juice the brand so well to get thousands of people you know, to buy stuff and it just couldn't scale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking to a founder the other day and, and like, I said, what happens when people want 10,000 of these? And he looked at me and he's like, what do you mean? I go, well, that's the goal, mm-hmm. right? Like, can you do 10,000 orders in, in a day? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. I'm like, like, you do? give me all these numbers on this business and you haven't thought whether this thing can scale to the point where you can repetitiously got over and over and over and over again, like produce this thing at scale. And uh, so scale's hard, man. Mm-hmm. And and Mr. Beast was too popular. And then the ghost kitchen thing didn't work. And then the quality went down and it'll there be interesting go. to see the lawsuits coming out.
0: I know. You know? I know it's wild. <laughs> it's it's yeah. wild. It, it really does. Like you go back to just fundam- business fundamentals, you know, and not every and-
1: business is supposed to have 2000 franchises, right? Like sometimes it's supposed to be four pizza shops. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yeah. You know, speaking of that, you know what the best in my opinion, I, and I don't think it's a franchise, but Houston's or it's now Hillstone. Have you, you've right. been there. There's one in Pasadena. There's one in Santa yep. Monica. There's maybe 10 yep. or 12 across the country. Yep. They don't, they have not expanded because yep. the quality, it's kind of the same thing, right? You go, Hey, yep. you're either going to be like a place yep. people know what they're getting and they like yep. it and it's good. Yep. Or, all all control goes out the window 1700 of these being run out of ghost kitchens and given to uber drivers to go deliver is not right i I don't care who the celebrity is right yeah you
1: know you just can't keep up and and like having a one-off hamburger and then multiplying that millions of times so it stays the same and has the quality are two different things so you know it's it's no one's fault it's just that's just hard <laughs> to, to mm-hmm. try and do that stuff and obviously no one really thought about it enough to make sure it could be you know have the same quality every time so mm-hmm.
0: love it good stuff anything else anything you're reading thinking about what what's as we close what do we
1: yeah man it's an interesting time you know uh kind of coming out of summer here interesting just kind of look at the economy and trying to look what's happening out and about, you know, I'm like, I'm bullish in, in some respects of, of bouncing forward. I think it's going to be politics and everything over the next 18 months are going to be brutal. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to that. Not, not that I'm making a political comment. I'm just saying I think it's just going to be tough. Mm-hmm. And it could be really tough um, in America
0: mm-hmm.
1: just with the division that we have here politically you have extreme on both sides mm-hmm. that kind of suck all the narrative and I think the centrist, down the middle, common sense type people that are most of the people get drowned out and sucked mm-hmm. into either of these extremes, left or right. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm hopeful that the economy is not going to go into a terrible recession. I think we might have avoided that, but I'm not, I'm not excited mm-hmm. about the political division that's coming. I know. It's already here and it's going to get worse. I'm like, I uh, glad I live in Utah. <laughs> I, can gosh, start, I, know. I can just camp out and, and hide and, <laughs> and just do my thing. But man, it's I, it's, it's it's it's, be I just you
0: wonder at one point what when people when is people are just going to get tired of it. You know, that's it's the problem just... is,
1: is there's 20 percent on either side that are just so all in. Mm-hmm.
0: It's their and sport. It's their hobby.
1: It's right? it's their right. whole life, right? Mm-hmm. But, and so, and I'm like. I have political views, but they're not, I wouldn't call them extreme. I would call them fairly commonsensical, you know, conservative economically for sure. Um, Socially probably pretty moderate to conservative. Um, But I just, I I just see the extremes and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a mess. So I'm I'm not very excited about the next 18 months in America politically. I think it's going to be, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but but all the more reason why we just kind of keep our head down.
0: Put your head down. That's what I was about to say. Do what
1: what you do, build your business, do your thing, love your family, love your children and just work hard Mm -hmm. and uh, go to church, give to your church, support your church, preach the gospel. The (laughs) basics, the
0: fundamentals of life, believe it or not, actually work. Yeah. You know, and uh, let's get through it. (laughs) Yep. I love it. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast, kingsandpriest.io signs you up for our email list. And we'll see you right back here next week for another episode. Talk to you soon.